I want you to meet Plenty Wingo. P-L-E-N-N-I-E, -E, Wingo. From April 15th, 1931 to October 24th, 1932, he did something that no one else had ever done before. He, and he's in the World Book of World, uh, the Guinness Book of World Record, as a matter of fact. He was on Johnny Carson in 1976. I've got to admit I didn't see him on that. But uh, I don't know, maybe you didn't. But he... He walked from Santa Monica, California to Istanbul, Turkey, 8,000 miles. And I know what you may be saying. Wait a minute. From Santa Monica, California to Istanbul, Turkey, there had to be some way that he, there's an ocean out there. Well, you're right. Uh, he got on a German ship and sailed from uh, Boston, I believe it was, to Germany got off the ship and walked to Istanbul. And as I said, he is in the Guinness Book of World Record. Well, what's so special about that? Anybody can walk 8,000 miles. In fact, we've got people that walk across the United States all the time, and that's 3,000 miles. So what's the big deal? The big deal is he walked backwards. 8,000 miles. He invented these glasses that you could see behind him. I've seen videos. Look him up. Uh, you'll, you'll see all kinds of stuff about, about old Plenty Wingo. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's important who we walk with or who we're seen walking with. I talked a little bit about this several weeks ago. Uh, but you remember, you, you picked out who you were going to sit with at lunch when you were in, at least I did, when, when I was in elementary school. Because it was important for a social standing to be seen with someone uh, that you wanted to be seen with. And you made sure that they were on each side. We're amused at, at politicians who rushed to the camera to be seen. There's something, though, about walking with someone. We're not trying to beat anyone. We're just out for a stroll. We're just out for just a regular walk. Think of the apostles. I started thinking about the apostles. And, and, and you know, they didn't have cars back then. I don't think they had even fast camels, but they would walk everywhere they'd go. I mean, if you wanted to go to Galilee from Jerusalem, it was a three-day journey. And how would you get there? You'd walk. And the apostles walked with Jesus. There's a, there's a book that, that kind of mentions this phrase. And, and I don't remember who wrote it, but, but it says, may your face be covered with the dust from your rabbi's feet. That's what the apostles did. They walked close enough to their rabbi that they got dust in their face from his feet. 
Think of the ones who met him on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. They were walking along. Jesus comes along, and they have a conversation with him. You know, they ask him. They say, are, are you the only one that doesn't know about what's happened? Jesus has a conversation with them, and he acts like he's going to walk on, and they say, no, you know, come on, stay and eat with us. And he breaks bread and disappears from their, from their sight. And what do they say? Didn't our hearts burn within us? Well, there's a couple of passages I want us to see. This, of course, from Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in body, but I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. And therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. I talked about this a little bit last week, but we had so much snow that not a lot of you were here. So I'm allowed to say something about this again, aren't I? The answer is yes. Okay, uh, I'm glad I have uh, approval. Uh, but, um, but the NIV uses a term, instead of walk, a lot of times it uses the word life. And, and it'll use a phrase talking about life. And honestly, the King James, Holman, different ones like that, use the term walk because that's what it is in the original language. And I like the image that that portrays. He says, walk in him. Let me give you some examples of the term walk in Scripture. In Ezekiel chapter 5 and verse 7, it's telling of Jerusalem's eventual fall. And it says, therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Because you have been more insubordinate than the nations around you, you have not walked in my statutes or kept my ordinances. You've not even kept the ordinances of the nations around you. Walked in my statutes. There's another example of this in 1 Kings chapter 3. God's talking to Solomon. You remember the conversation that he has? God comes to him and basically gives him anything he wants. And as Solomon is talking to him, he says, you know, really, I just want wisdom. And God says, you know what? What a great thing to ask for. Because you didn't ask for riches, because you didn't ask for any of these other things, I'm going to give you all of them. And he says this. You have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, this is Solomon, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. We're told to keep in step of the Spirit, the passage that Dean read. We're, to, we're told to walk in truth. We're told to walk in love. It's all over the scripture. Now, I, I, I wrote this in late, and I put habit of walking. I'm supposed to walk. 
I have not been walking. Um, you come out of our house and you start to walk, and, and it's uphill. It's not really, really uphill. It's just a slight incline. But it's enough to make me say, I don't want to walk. And, and to walk is a habit. I don't know, some of you may say, oh, it's no big deal to me. I love to get out and walk. And, and man, I think that's wonderful. But to me, it has to be a habit. And so walking with Jesus means that we identify with him. It's got to be a habit. It's got to be something that we do. And I, I'm not trying to lower that to just a habit. I guess what I'm talking about is a relationship. Jesus never said, if you walk with me, your life will be just fine. It'll have no problems. You'll have no kind of difficulties in your life. Jesus never promised that. But as we talked last week, Satan wants to walk with us too. The only problem is he's a roaring lion. And he seeks whom he may devour. Jesus mentions, not quite in those terms, but he says, enter through the narrow gate. If I could change one word, I'd say walk through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. I think of Peter's denier, denial. I think how he walked with Jesus. I mean, he walked those dusty roads of Galilee and, and Judea. And then all of a sudden, he decided not to walk with him. He started lagging behind and trailing behind him. But when you look in the passage in Colossians 2, even though Peter denied him, Paul writes, I want you to walk in him rooted and established. I couldn't help but think of the guardrails not too long ago in the, <clears throat> it was one of the snows, I don't know which one it was. I was driving down 132nd Street, I saw a car come out of the side and just lose control and just start fishtailing. And I don't know what he was doing. He hit the curb, went up, and hit the guardrail. Didn't go anywhere. In fact, I have driven by that place. I was trying to show Martha where it was. And I couldn't find a dent hardly in the guardrail. I, I think that's where it is. Why is that? Because that guardrail is rooted and established. If you were to check that thing out and be able to dig into, the, into the, uh, the things that are there that are holding it there, you would find that those posts go deep in the ground. Paul says, I want you to, to be rooted and established. Walking with Jesus means we follow in his footsteps. This was easy for me. In the recent snow we had, it was 
you know, you get out and, and you have to put your feet somewhere in the snow. And so what did you do? You looked for places where people had already walked. Because you didn't want to stick your foot in that, in that snow. Instead, you stuck it down in the, in the hole that was already made by somebody else. Walking with Jesus not only means we identify with him, but we follow his footsteps. Paul tells the, the people of Corinth something that's interesting. He tells them, he says, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Could you do that? Could you say, you want to know what the Christian life is all about? I'll tell you what you do. You follow me. But don't follow me exclusively. Follow me only as I follow Jesus. Many of you know Mike Rush. Mike was the campus minister. He was the, the uh, uh, director of admissions for many years at York College. And then he ended up being the, the campus minister. And I remember I was in Minnesota. Mike directed uh, SoulQuest at York. And I was in Minnesota when I received the call that Mike had had a stroke. And that was in April. And SoulQuest was coming up in June. And really, Mike had not done anything as far as, you know, he had done that for so long, all he needed to do was make one phone call. The only problem was he didn't keep many notes. On the way back, I called. I said, okay, we've got to take this. We've got to do this. We've got to be in charge of this. We've got to start calling. We've got to set up the schedule. We've got to do all of this. But there was one thing that we always did, and that was we had to have a T-shirt. I mean, all youth rallies have to have a T-shirt, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and so I started thinking. At that time, Michael Jordan was very popular. And, and there was a, a commercial for Nike, and it said, Be like Mike. And I had a newsflash. I decided to make these T-shirts. I came across mine the other day. It's bright red. And on the front of it, it said, Be like Mike. And I meant Mike Rush. And on the back, I put the passage of Scripture from the Corinthian letter where Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see, Mike was a godly man, or is a godly man. And we're to identify with Jesus. We're to follow in his footsteps. And then I noticed something else, that we're in a race. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Another passage says, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Both of these are from the Corinthian letter. My premise for this whole sermon has been we are to walk with Jesus. But then we come to these passages of Scripture that talk about running. And Paul even says at the end of his life, I have finished the race. He said nothing about walking. And I started thinking, 
One of my favorite things is when my children were young, now with my grandchildren, or when they see me and they run to me. Maybe we start walking, but as we journey and the closer we get to heaven, then we run toward him. An old song. One deeply solemn thought comes to me o'er and o'er. Today I am nearer to my home than e'er I've been before. If you haven't begun that walk, you can begin it today. You can decide to follow him, be baptized into him. Normally at this time we say, if you would like to do that, would you come as we stand and sing? But we don't do that right now, simply because of the stuff that's been happening around us. But I would hope that if you want to begin that walk today, catch one of our elders, catch me, catch Caleb, we would be more than happy to talk with you about that. Let's walk with Jesus.